Well, things are a bit more risk on in the US today. Why? Well, the excuse seems to be the jobless claims, but really, it's just volatility, isn't it? Well, whilst oil drifts lower, suggesting there's an expectation that demand will fall, even though there's every reason for oil to be rising right now. But it's not. Plus, Aussie trade data yesterday. We'll look at that and Australia's job ads as well. Can we draw any sensible conclusions from those about the labour market and inflation? It's Friday, the 9th of December, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, you know, it's only a matter of time before we saw US equities on the rise. Too early, perhaps, for the Santa bounce, more the China bounce, perhaps, belatedly. Well, we saw a 3.4% rise in the Hang Seng yesterday. But perhaps the US shares are rising more to do with jobs overnight or uh, or jobless claims. Uh, we saw an overnight 0.5% rise in the Dow, 0.8% for the S&P 500. This is at close. And 1.1% for the Nasdaq. Pretty lacklustre in Europe, though. In fact, the FTSE 100 is down a quarter percent. The CATCO aren't down almost as much. And the DAX and the Eurostoxx 50 pretty flat. The US dollar is down again, losing another 0.3% on the DXY. Now down below 105, close to where it was back in July. And the Aussie dollar is up, a 0.7% lift, almost to 67.7 US cents. A half percent rise for the Canadian dollar, a little less for the euro, and just a 0.3% rise for the pound. And bond yields rising again. Seven basis points added to 10-year treasuries up to 3.48%. German bunds and UK gilts, 10 years there, up just four basis points. Not much movement in Australian 10-year yields, though, yesterday or overnight on futures. And oil, well... Uh, a bit of movement there. Brent had hardly moved at all for most of the session, but then it suddenly fell about 1.5%, which is where it is now. WTI was heading back up. It was rising 0.8%, but then it's lost all of those gains and another 0.8% down on top of that. Uh, so we'll look at that as well. It's uh, it's back to London this morning and uh, NAB's Dave DeGaris. So let's, um, I mean, it's been quiet, hasn't it? Uh, there's less trade, of course. Everyone's hanging out for next week. But let's look at this uh, this bounce in equities, though. How much of that stems from the, uh, the, the jobless numbers last night from the US? In the crazy world in which we live, where markets <laughs> love nothing more than seeing lots of people coming out of work, because uh, we did see an increase, well, maybe not out of work, but we did see an increase in continuing jobless claims last week from 1.61 yes. million yes. to 1.67 million. So I guess that shows, you know, there's a bit of a weakness in the job market. Yes, yes. All, all, all of that, Phil. I think um, I can't remember the last time we were talking about continuing claims so much. No. I think the market's just, is it clutching at straws or just looking for some <laughs> information? There are some cracks in the economy and mm. or in the labour market that suggests uh, that, that the Fed can go easier in some way. I mean, that wasn't evident in the interest rate market. The market's very much priced for, what, just over 50 basis points from the Fed next week. And when you look at the, the weekly jobless claims, what, um, 230,000 compared with 226,000. So yeah. a microscopic change, really, to be there, to be quite honest, Phil. So, so yeah, so maybe it is clutching uh, its doors. And yet, you know, looking at other real numbers, look at mortgage rates in the US. So this is, you know, mm, banks putting, mm. you know, putting their, their money where their mouth is. Uh, yes. 30-year fixed rates now down to 6.3%, um, down from 6.49% yes. a week ago. And four weeks ago, they're at 7.08%. So we'll, be, we'll, we'll be worried about reflating mortgage demand soon. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> I think we might have a long way to go before we see that. I don't, th- I don't think so, but that's one sector of the economy that's certainly felt the brunt of rates, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah. There's no doubt about that. 
But the labour market, I mean, when I go back to the Beige Book, you know, the, the regional review of the Fed, I mean, that did suggest that the labour market was showing some signs of softening, you know, that retention and hiring difficulties were easing somewhat, wages growth was moderating, all the things you would expect. We haven't seen, we've seen some instances of that in the hard numbers, but not a lot. Mm. So I think at this point, yes, it's probably happening. You know, we've seen it in some company reports, the real estate sector, as you say, finance, tech uh, sectors, you know, uh, announcing some layoffs. And even those challenger layoffs figures, that was what, two weeks ago, 10 days ago, you know, that was up, what, fourfold from, from low numbers. That's more about announcements rather than sort of a comprehensive survey of businesses across SMEs as well as large business. Nevertheless, you know, it's a, it's a snippet of information perhaps that, you know, things are moving. We just, it hasn't been wholly convincing as far as the market is concerned at this point. But yeah. uh, nevertheless, we have a bit of risk on today, at least in the US markets, if not the European markets. No, well, it is pretty contained, isn't it, to the US? And is, is it going to hold or is this just, uh, you know, jockeying for position? Because, I mean, there's, there is uncertainty, isn't there, about what, what exactly is the Fed going to do next week? Well, there is a bit of uncertainty about that. And even though the market's got priced, you know, 50 basis points from the Fed next week, uh, and a terminal rate just below five, are we totally convinced at this point that that will be sufficient to really slow the economy or maybe the inflation numbers are already slowing sufficiently to give the Fed comfort to buy them, buy them some time, you know, in the first one or two quarters next year, you know, because the CPI is coming off and if it increases by, what, 0.3% in, in, in uh, the last two months of the year, we're going to pro- probably have a headline CPI, CPI number of, of with a six handle. So that's a lot better, isn't it, mm. than the, the nine that we had, what, back three months now. Which so all, it is improving. All but, heading in the right direction. So look, if the markets can react to those indeed. job numbers, those jobless numbers or those jobless claims numbers uh, with such ferocity, uh, I'll, you know, imagine what they can do with PPI numbers because we're going to get those, uh, those later on. Yes, today. well, they're, they're the sorts of things, aren't they, that should reflect uh, those parts of inflation that are coming off, both in terms of uh, mm. manufactured goods prices, which we've already seen, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether the um, trade services elements, which capture margins, you know, retailers' margins, wholesalers' margins, that sort of thing, because, of course, that feeds straight through into the CPI as well. So I think that might be the next cab off the rank. Uh, PPI is not usually... The mark, the most market sensitive, but as you so so well observe, Phil, the market is still searching for information to anything to validate yeah. the view that um, you know that the rates are you know we've got the the, the terminal rate correctly priced at this time. So what's your what's your take on what's happening with the oil today? Because that's been a bit peculiar. In fact, you know more moving in oil than than, than in equities. So we had. Uh, Look, we, we had WTI rising. Brent was pretty flat. Yes. WTI was rising. And it seems, you know, a large part of that was because they've got this leak in Nebraska in the Keystone Pipeline, which goes down from Canada down to Cushing, and no word on how quickly they're going to get that fixed. So that's understandable. Yes. You know, you get a leak, you yes. get a, a shortage of supply, prices go up. Yes. All of a sudden, though, prices have dived in the last hour or so. Yes. I mean, that's what happens, you know, and, and plus... plus but- the last couple of weeks, we've had big declines in crude inventories as well. So that would be tend to be supportive, wouldn't it, of oil prices rather than 
suggesting uh, that, that that is the factor that's driving lower oil prices. And then you go to things like what's happening in China. The market has been talking about if you know China coming back on stream more fully next year, that might reinvigorate something like one to one and a half million barrels a day of extra demand from that part of the world and I guess knock-on effects to other part of Asia as well. But and yet oil we've got down, you know, into the 70s now. So again, you'd be expecting in, oil to be going up. Yeah. And, and, and other hard yeah. commodity prices are not going down. Look at what's happening with iron ore. Look at what's happening with copper today. And, you know, and, and since the lows that we reached, you know, only weeks ago. I mean, uh, iron ore is up 50% from its lows. Um, copper's up something like 15% from its lows. It's so that makes no sense because I was about to say that would be a sign, wouldn't <laughs> That would be a sign that we're, we're going to see a slowdown. Uh, you know, the, 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 the oil demand is expected to slow because we're going to have this recession. But maybe there's an expectation that perhaps uh, the US is heading for recession, but China's going to bounce back. So mm. demand for iron ore. Mm. We, can, we can retrofit all sorts of excuses <laughs> to this, Dave. We, we can retrofit, retrofit satisfactorily, I think, what's going on with copper and iron ore. <laughs> But uh, oil, do we yeah. say, well, it's really the US and the European slowdown that's going to do that and the China factor is less relevant? Not totally convincing story, is it, to be quite no. honest with you? All right. Well, look, on China, so they've got a big planning meeting. They get the, the Central Economic Work Conference. And this happens every yes. year, doesn't it, in, in December. It and that's happening next week. They are going for growth. So they're expecting 5% GDP next year. Uh, and this meeting apparently is all going to be about how they're going to do it. Are they going to be able to pull that off? Well, that, uh, they will pull off the announcement, I imagine, um, quite successfully. <laughs> will they be able to pull off the growth? Uh, it's all going to be about, isn't it, sustaining the exit from zero COVID? Uh, and the other big challenge they have, and that, that's a challenge in itself, uh, if the vaccination uh, and the um, immunity from COVID that that delivers is satisfactory, then that should be a satisfactory exit, as we've seen in other, most other parts of the world. Uh, and they, uh, the other big challenge, yeah. I think, Phil, is to uh, reignite the, the housing market, to get that going again. So that means reigniting the activity side so ensuring that sufficient funds are flowing in that direction uh, even though some might be is it all going to go in the right into the right hands and so forth but we can we're one step removed from that process the other is can we can they reignite housing sales and activity but they want to do it in the right way you know they don't want housing to be a speculative asset they want to be you know somewhere to live but they re- do, certainly do need to reignite demand they've taken some monetary policy steps to support that but mm. still don't think that's sufficient they need to come out of covid uh and you know you, it'd be pressure on the companies i think to cut prices to get to get demand going again and the question is you know as they come out the other side how reliant are they going to be on the west are they going to be you know we, we, we even well before we got into covid we were talking about how they were becoming much more domestically oriented and uh, you know perhaps the speed of that uh, will quicken uh, as we come out the other side which brings us nicely on to uh, Aussie trade data yesterday uh, a small move down in the trade surplus but of course commodities have come down in price so that accounts for for, for a chunk of that it does uh, so these are the figures from October I was t- talking you know just a couple of minutes ago about what's been happening with iron ore so um just on the on the price side alone mm. we'll be expecting better figures in the next few months i mean we know that the gas story as well um so and of course 
rains you know in the in the east have affected coal shipments as well as i understand it particularly through new south wales so combination of those factors should see that surplus in transcends grow even further yep. um, plus the tourism side wow. is probably going to pick up yeah, just th- well both inflows and outflows well that is too. well done isn't it so uh, I, the, I mean the problem is of course Australia is an expensive holiday you know we're it a is. long way from anywhere so it costs a lot so you know discretionary spending power that's down everywhere so we're 31% below pre-pandemic levels in fact include in, international students in that we're 41% down yes so uh, and you know 15% of visitors come from China 3.3 billion dollars uh, they were spending yes. each year so, I mean, yes. if they get over COVID, are they going to come back? Is that going to help those numbers? Well, I assume so. if we ask the same question while we're all under lockdown, I don't mm. know what the, the answer, the response would have been, but we certainly know uh, that the outcome was that the industry couldn't cope with the demand. So there must be a lot of pent up demand in many ways within for the Chinese consumer right now, Phil. But that means they've got to open up properly. The authorities have to authorise the travel so it's more easy, more easy to do. And then we know that they are easing back on quarantine restrictions and the like. There must be a lot of pent up demand there. And of course, as you say, the rest of the world looks like it's slowing. So I don't think China can just rely on export markets to be the driver of growth, but internal demand, domestic demand to be the main element of that 5% growth. And no doubt they'll be talking a lot about that um, next week. Yeah, Uh, buy more property is going to be part of of that. Buy more property, property go long property. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so uh now the uh, we talked about the u.s labor market the jobs market we so uh, we have a less tight labor market for australia as well we saw job ads fall almost five percent month yes. on month in december this is six months in a row that that number has fallen 18.6 percent now below the may peak and now of course that could just mean we have all got ourselves into our jobs we're moving jobs less couldn't it you know it's with less people switching jobs so therefore there's less jobs being advertised that could be a chunk it, of it. it could be it could also be that businesses have just had so many months of trying to get people and now saying well we just can't get people so let's readjust our business model in some mm-hmm. way into something that's more sustainable rather than paying silly money for yeah. people that we can't get so um, and and of course, yeah, let's, let's, buy, let's buy another machine. We have to do had that. some, yeah. We have had some students and and people on working visas starting to arrive. So I imagine the supply side is probably helping a little bit too at the margin as well, Phil. So um, mm. it's probably probably some of those some of those elements. Yeah, is that going to ease wage pressures? Is that mean? Does that mean the RBA is going to be looking at those numbers and thinking, ah, you know, that takes the pressure off us a bit? Or is that is that clutching at straws? Well, I think they want to see it in the uh, in, in the actual yeah, numbers, yeah. in the wage numbers. I think, but you know, in some sectors, it certainly helps, like in uh, agribusiness, um, fruit picking, and all that, as well as hospitality and tourism. So, and that they've been certainly some of the pressured yeah. sectors. Well, look, those are seekers in New Zealand as well, of course, and they, they, they so the same story: sharp decline in in job numbers uh, over the other side of the Tasman as well. Look where you are. I'm I'm finding it hard to figure out where the UK is is going. So we have had the RICS housing survey showing that housing demand has slowed to the lowest level since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and you know, perhaps higher mortgage costs have got something to do with that. What do you reckon? But I mean, generally. 
Um, it's a confusing place. They have. It's a, it's a confusing place, the UK, at the moment, because you've got that, it, it, you've got strikes, it, it, you've got, I mean, you know, supposedly, you know, things are looking pretty sad. I saw photographs this week of Oxford Street. You couldn't move. It's, uh, <laughs> it was just uh, retail crazy. In, in some ways, it's a country of contradictions at the moment, isn't it? As you say, you know, all the Christmas decorations, there's a million people walking around the streets. Mm. Uh, shops seem to be busy, but um, we know the retail sales have been soft the past couple of months. The price side and the housing market, I think the narrative there is still of a sector that's under pressure, but there's not a lot of stock on the market. Um, and the lettings market, Phil, the rental market is particularly tight. So agents are reporting that some vendors are having to cut prices to... to, to um, you know, to meet the market, but it's not as if there's a massive overhang hang of property on the market right now. And I think it's still suffering a little bit after the, uh, the the episode that we had back in September, October, you know, when the guilt market was under pressure, you know, from the mini budget and so forth. But um, mortgage rates haven't come off no, a lot at and, this stage. and uh, rents are going up, fewer rental properties. So the thumbscrew is really being turned on, on the low-income households. Aren't Indeed. They? The ones who can't afford to heat their houses. Uh, also having difficulty finding somewhere to live as well. So no wonder there's so many strikes going on. There. I don't quite know how you fix all of those, but we're not going to fix it now. So today um, we get, uh, well, not much, is there? We get inflation numbers for China. The expectation is actually for deflation for November, month on month. Remember that word? And we talked about uh, US PPI and Michigan consumer sentiment, but mainly it's just... Uh, jockeying for position for next week, which is a big indeed. week with the Fed and uh, the ECB and US CPI. Indeed, indeed. I think the, yeah, the, the CPI and then yeah. uh, the central bank yeah. meetings. Very good. All right, good to talk, Dave. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm talking to you again before Christmas. I'm sure I will. Uh, still a bit of time to go, so I'll talk to you then. Good to catch you today anyway. All the best. Cheers, Phil. Actually, no, no guarantee, actually. We've only got eight more podcasts to go before Christmas. Dave might not be one of those. So Merry Christmas, Dave. <laughs> and uh, I'll be back again uh, on Monday morning. Have yourself a great weekend. I'm Phil Dobby for now. See you on Monday.